This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us today on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Andy Dane in for Rob Hart. It's just over a week until a popular amusement park in Indiana makes its annual debut, followed by its water park at the end of the month. We'll get a preview on that in our next segment. But right now, a gauge of inflation closely watched by the Federal Reserve is out today. We're joined by Matt Matigan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers here in Chicago. You can also check out Matt's blog at blueworldam.com. Dot com. Matt, thanks so much for being with us here on the Noon Business Hour. Uh, we've got inflation data today. Let, let's get your read on what we're seeing. Well, what we're, of course, seeing is inflation on the rise and GDP on the decline. Uh, it's really, uh, really the worst of both worlds in terms of prognosis for the economy in the short and even to the medium term. So as consumer spending starts to flag, and and we're starting to see some evidence of that, uh, that's going to take a weakening GDP and drive it down even faster, because, of course, the overwhelming majority of GDP is calculated based on consumer spending. So uh, the Blue World Economic Index, which tracks over 50 reports every month, is still languishing down in record low territory. And without any prospect of policy change on the horizon, uh, as uh, as the Bloomberg report said, investors need to be really, really cautious right now. So, Matt, you mentioned kind of a, a calculation here. How does Federal Reserve monetary policy kind of fit in to that mix? Well, the monetary policy is they have they have a few tools at their disposal to combat inflation. Uh, but as I've said, uh, as I've said before here, that you're applying the wrong tool to the wrong situation. Raising interest rates is helpful when the cause of inflation is a roaring, robust economy and you want to slow things down a little bit to slow down prices. That's not what's causing inflation this time around. Uh, so I've been critical of the Federal Reserve raising rates. And with the data that came out today, the prospect is for more rate increases. I think that's only going to exacerbate a bad situation. Well, and Matt, that, that leads well into our final question here for you. You know, a lot of talk about recession, especially today. Where do you kind of fall in that conversation of, of where exactly we are and where we may be heading? Well, the important thing to understand about recession is that the official beginning of a recession is never, ever determined or published until we can safely say the recession has ended. So, again, the Blue World Economic Index uh, indicates a record low territory. When, it, when all is said and done, when we do finally emerge, uh, the beginning of this recession is going to have occurred sometime 
last year. So I say that we are already in a recession. The data is starting to bear that out. And uh, I think we have to hold on tight for a little while here. Great stuff, as always. Matt Matigan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers here in Chicago. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, a few years ago, it appeared the end was near for Indiana Beach Amusement and Water Park in Monticello, Indiana. Unfortunately, that turned out to be not true. Let's find out what's happening on the shores of Lake Schaefer from Tom Chrissy, spokesman for Indiana Beach Amusement and Water Park in Monticello. Tom, thanks so much for being with us. So we mentioned a few years ago, it looked like, you know, the Indiana Beach Amusement and Water Park was was history. Tell me a little bit about about how things changed and, and where we are now. Uh, first, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, in uh, February of 2020, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the Indiana Beach faithful received word that the uh, previous corporation was uh, was going to close the park for good. That was uh, short-lived until uh, sh- local Chicago businessman Gene Staples uh, stepped up and uh, perch- acquired Indiana Beach in March 2020, and uh, we reopened in June 2020 with, uh, without any interruptions in, in seasons that the park's been open since 1926. Tom, what has the feedback been like from, from, from residents, fans, you know, people that have been maybe going for a while? I'm sure they were thrilled to, to, to see this saved. What have you been hearing from, from people in the area? Yeah, the outpouring of support has just been amazing. Um, as, as you said, you hit it on the head. It's a, a family park that's generational and uh, guests have been coming for, for decades with uh, families and now they're bringing their grandkids and in some instances, great grandchildren uh, to the park. So the, the support has been amazing. Um, and people just literally come from all over, uh, whether they moved away from the area 20, 30, 40 years ago, they still try to make a stop back in the, if they're in the area. So the park opens uh, May 6th, the water park Memorial week, May 27th, uh, less, I mean, we're talking less than two hours here, uh, from Chicago. If there are people listening that maybe, you know, love, love rides, love the water parks, but, but haven't been, what are some of the, the attractions, the key draws uh, that people can, can expect to see if they make the trip? Uh, absolutely. We, we have, we uh, have two parks. We have a water park and we have an amusement park. Both parks are covered under a uh, very reasonably priced daily admission ticket or an even better season pass price. Um, you know, if you the season pass pays for itself and just two visits, uh, we're at uh, seven roller coasters. Uh, we're gonna, we're opening up our seventh roller coaster this year. Uh, we have some very very unique coasters uh, that you you won't find anywhere else uh, in the country or basically even in the world. Um, so those are some of our thrill rides. We've got a nice robust Kittyland Land offering for you know our guests that are under 48 inches um, that want to come to the park, bring the families, the kids, the grandkids. Uh, midway games, arcade games, and of course the water park, huge, huge pool, tons of water slides. Um, so for those that want to just come out in a nice big sandy beach area as well. And Tom, one last question for you here quickly. You know, you mentioned the outpouring of, of support and excitement that this park is back. I mean, it's it's a summertime staple just about anywhere you go. How important is it to have something like this in the in the Indiana area for people to enjoy, especially as the uh, the weather warms up here? Yeah, it's absolutely uh, really vital for that area. Um, and again, you're going from anywhere. If we're smack dab in the middle of Chicago and Indianapolis. So if you're within that 90-minute, two-hour drive and you're looking for an action-packed day or weekend of fun, uh, Indiana Beach is the spot for you. We're, you know, we're on a lake. We've got uh, two huge campgrounds, parkside accommodations, 
you can trail a boat down, you can spend the weekend on the boat. Uh, there's just so much to do at Indiana Beach uh, that we certainly recommend listeners stop by our website, indianabeach.com, check it out. And if they haven't been there in a while, they're going to be completely shocked at, at the new rides that have been done and all the massive park upgrades that have taken place over the last two to three years. All right, Tom, you've sold me. I'm making the trip. I'll tell you that right now. Great stuff. Tom Chrissy, spokesman for Indiana Beach Amusement and Water Park in Monticello. Thanks so much for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. Up next is nearly tulip time in a Midwest city known for its flowers. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, it's been somewhat of a choppy spring weather-wise, but visions of warm weather are beginning to appear. Let's talk about one of them now as we welcome Jacob Valdir, third-generation tulip farmer of Valdir Tulip Gardens, located at the quarter of Quincy and US 31 in Holland, Michigan. Jacob, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, again, it's been weird weather-wise, uh, and tulip time is right around the corner. The Tulip Time Festival, of course, begins uh, pretty soon here. Uh, what has it been like for you, the farming aspect? Uh, how, how has the weather kind of impacted uh, what you usually do here as tulip time rolls around? Well, normally as tulip time rolls around, you know, this weather doesn't stay cold like this. It starts to get warmer. But well, lucky for us and wonderful for a lot of people, with this extra cold, the tulips are going to be staying in bloom longer, so that's going to mean it's going to be longer for people to see. And with tulip time being a few days later than normal, it's going to be absolutely gorgeous for the tulips. What can people expect? You know, I've seen some of the photos, and, and, and they're very impressive. Uh, what can people expect from the festival this year? What I would say to expect from the festival is you're going to have a lot of people coming out, a lot of people enjoying themselves. As we start to see COVID go in the rearview mirror, and especially for us, we planted somewhere between six and a half and seven million tulips. So no matter when you come out, if we're peak bloomer night, there's definitely going to be a few for you to see. You mentioned kind of the, the COVID pandemic aspect of this kind of in the rearview mirror now. How did that kind of change the festival uh, and even just your your business of going about planting some of these tulips? How did the pandemic impact that and, and, and how have things changed now? Well, it definitely impacted us just like it impacted everyone else in the world between just the people being able to come out and enjoy the flowers. And it definitely made us take a stop and change the way we planted the tulips, showcased everything so that even when the whole crowds couldn't come to us, people still could see and enjoy the flowers. So, Jacob, you are a third-generation tulip farmer. Tell me a little bit about the, the family business, how it came to be and how it's grown over the years. Well, that's very simple. My grandfather and his wife, shortly after World War II was over, planted two varieties of tulips, a few hundred total, and each year it grew to a little bit more, a little bit more, and the hobby became a full-fledged business. So when that happened, we're where we are now with over 800 different varieties of tulips. We got hundreds of daffodils, hyacinths, and other beautiful flowers for people to come and enjoy. Jacob, one last question for you from the business perspective. You, know, you mentioned it's a family business. It's, it's gone back for, for quite some time. What's your advice to, to maybe other farmers, whether it's tulips and whatever kind of plant that maybe they want to get into, What's kind of your, your word of advice in the farming business of, of maybe people just getting started? My word, is, uh, my word of advice for all the farmers starting out, don't worry about trying to compete with the mega farms and go too big too quick. Start small, get the business down and down pat right, and as you get it right, it's going to be that much easier to grow it to the big mega businesses, and you're going to enjoy it a lot more if you start out small and go from there. 
Great stuff. Jacob Veldier, third-generation tulip farmer with Veldier Tulip Gardens in Holland, Michigan. Again, the Tulip Time Festival begins May 6th, and it runs through the 14th. Still ahead, Entrepreneur Friday will meet the owner of a -a one-of-a-kind, black-owned Japanese restaurant on Chicago's South Side. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Andy Dane in for Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Federal Reserve releases its report on the failure of a major West Coast bank. General Motors looks to the military for a new member of its board. Entrepreneur Friday, the spotlight on a Southside restaurant specializing in Japanese takeout. And you can make one brand of electric vehicle go faster, but it will cost you. Wall Street right now, the Dow is up 245 points. NASDAQ up 58 and the S&P 500 up 30. AccuWeather says cloudy, cooler today with showers lingering in northwest Indiana. Highs of 52 along the lake to near 60 inland. Right now, partly sunny skies, 59 degrees at 1231. Well, Silicon Valley Bank failed due to a combination of extremely poor bank management, weakened regulations, and lax government supervision. That's according to a new review by the Federal Reserve released today. Report also points out what are identified as underlying cultural issues at the Fed, where supervisors were unwilling to be hard on bank management when they saw growing problems. General Motors has tapped a military cybersecurity expert to join its board of directors. CBS Auto reporter Jeff Gilbert with more from Detroit. Retired Vice Admiral Jan Tig led several cyber warfare operations for the Navy before retiring five years ago. GM says her knowledge will help in their software-first approach to developing vehicles. Tig, who is 60, serves on several other corporate boards, including Goldman Sachs. The GM board election set to take place at the company's annual shareholder meeting June 20th. It's 12.32 conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Well, the markets are gaining ground. We're joined now by Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director of Clearstead Advisors, LLC in New York. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. A ton of tech earnings out this week. How are you looking at the results kind of across the board here? Yeah, I would say on balance, uh, they were good. You had some exceptions, some uh, weakness in uh, uh, the Amazon uh, forecast and some of the uh, uh, the advertising side for some of the companies was a little bit weak. But on balance, uh, uh, better than expected uh, with uh, with re- very reasonable outlooks going forward. And that is um, uh, lifting and supporting the whole market and in general. As we work our way through the earnings season, about 80% of companies have beat expectations and beaten by an average around 6%. So earnings were much better than than had been feared, and I think that's what's propelling stocks uh, this week. Uh, Jim, areas of the market perhaps that that you're looking at right now where where you see any value in particular, any sectors on sale, what's kind of piquing your interest at the moment? Well, well, what, what 
that's on sale are, are financials and small cap, which have um, – uh, uh, a high representation of financials. They're the cheapest, but I've got to tell you, in this case, uh, what's going up is going up for a good reason, and what's lagging is lagging for a good reason. What does concern me is that such a large percent of the gain in the S&P is um, uh, accountable by just a handful of stocks, and that's not healthy. Going forward, you have the Fed meeting next week. You have Powell's press conference, which is going to be key. And then over the weekend, this First Republic situation has to get resolved one way or the other, and we have to see whether its resolution uh, spreads beyond First Republic or not. Jim, we're seeing oil prices uh, tick higher here. Uh, I want to get your thoughts uh, on the energy sector. Well, the energy sector, of course, last year had done exceptionally well and over time should do exceptionally well. But I think in the near term, supply and demand are imbalanced and uh, uh, there's not a, a call for materially higher or lower energy prices. So I would say uh, they would be market performers over the next few months. So you mentioned kind of market performers there. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of them make, make a comeback here uh, over the last month or so. Do you see that continuing or, or, or could the trend maybe turn a bit? Well, uh, uh, I think we, we, the most important thing that you need to see happen uh, is, is, that the, is that the market broaden out and that the, av the average stock is actually down this year. Uh, the unweighted uh, averages are actually flat to down a little, while the S&P is up a fair amount. So the most important thing to look for is a broadening out of the market, which means some of the uh, uh, smaller and, and mid-cap uh, and less than mega-cap stocks would start to catch up with the mega-cap technology stocks. Jim, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned kind of the what, what's going on here with, with the Silicon Bank issue. Uh, obviously, a lot of moving parts there and things to be worked out. What kind of effect could that have that you see moving forward here on, on some of the markets? Well, the Fed came out with a report today uh, uh, assigning the blame in the areas of weakness for the Silicon uh, Valley bank collapse. And one thing that's for certain, you're going to get a lot more bank regulation, but it's going to take some time to work its way through the legislative process. Jim, one last question for you. Your advice at this point for, for the individual investor as the markets keep on shifting here? Think long term and and uh, always asset allocate. When the markets are down, add to your equities. Uh, right now, the markets are up a lot. I would sort of stay cool, stay calm, uh, buy five percent treasuries. But if the market gets whacked for any reason, you always make more over time in stocks than in bonds. Jim Awad, great stuff as always. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Jim, of course, senior managing director of Clear Stand Advisors LLC in New York. Up next in Entrepreneur Friday, a unique restaurant is delighting diners on Chicago's South Side. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, it is Entrepreneur Friday here on the Noon Business Hour, and it's lunchtime, a perfect time for our guest this afternoon as we welcome Cameron Jackson, co-founder of Koto Hibachi, located at 258 West 31st Street on Chicago's South Side. Cameron, Thanks for joining us today. Uh, let's start. Tell us a little bit about uh, Koto Hibachi and, and, and what diners can expect on, on the South Side. No problem, Andy. Thanks for having me. Um, Koto Hibachi is a, a new concept. It's like a hibachi, but carryout style. Like if you don't like going to the restaurant and sitting next to a family that you don't know or a guy trying to squirt sake in your mouth, uh, you should probably come to our restaurant. It's just uh, it takes the song and dance out of hibachi and just gets straight to the point. 
That's great stuff. So, so, so tell me a little bit about the process of, of picking Chicago's South Side. Uh, I understand the, the the restaurant is relatively new to the scene. Uh, tell me about the process of kind of picking the South Side and setting up shop here. So um, I'm born and raised on the South Side of Chicago, and my whole life uh, I've just loved this style of food. And primarily it's just been hard to get. Uh, you would normally have to either go downtown or to the far south suburbs or far west suburbs for hibachi so we saw a void in the uh inner south side of the city and we found a great location near uh comiskey or where the white Sox play and we just couldn't miss uh miss the opportunity it's a great location it's right off the expressway very close to 55 um and 94 so it was just a great opportunity for us, in addition to me and my partner both being Southside natives. So, Cameron, you mentioned kind of the need on Chicago's South Side. How important is it for you to, to, to be able to bring kind of a different type of cuisine to the South Side? We hear a lot that, that there are not a ton of, of options, especially diverse options at that. Uh, what does it mean for you to kind of you know broaden the horizons uh, of the South Side and, and bring a different type of cuisine to the area? It means everything because, like, when I was a kid on Fridays, my mother wouldn't cook, so she would let us, like, pick our uh, option for dinner. And now um, I see kids coming in on Friday evenings, and they, they tell their mother, like, oh, I want to go to Koto Hibachi. And it just means the world because now kids uh, who normally wouldn't necessarily have close access to this type of food or even just people in general in the area now have access to it and it just shows that it's possible and that we can do this on the south side as well i'm glad you mentioned you know there's the traditional image of hibachi where there is it's the cook and it's the the flames and the you know the 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 squirting of the sauces and things like that so so i'm curious you know you talk about how koto hibachi is different from that i mean does that give you and your team more time to kind of focus on the cuisine itself um, exactly. as opposed to all, all, all the other kind of kind of theatrics, I guess? Exactly. It takes away the pomp and circumstance, and that energy can be focused on quality, flavor, and things like that. And if you were to ask our customer, I think they would agree. And Cameron, one, one last question for you here. It, it is Entrepreneur Friday, uh, and this is a, an exciting business venture. What, what's your word of advice to, to other aspiring entrepreneurs, wh- whether they're in that same position of maybe wanting to bring a different type of service to an area that, that needs more diverse options um, or just the, the, the average entrepreneur, what's kind of your, your business advice uh, for those listening? Um, my best advice is just start where you are with what you have. And if you jump, the parachute will present itself. And that's been my ex- experience historically in my life. Like uh, the, the universe has a way of meeting you halfway, but you have to take the first step. You have to gamble per se, or roll that dice. And if you have an idea that you genuinely believe in and have genuinely done the work and research, just go with it. And I promise, even if you don't, if it doesn't work out, you'll get a gainful experience to where your next venture may work out or it may work out. And you never will know if you don't try. Cameron Jackson, co-founder of Koto Hibachi at 258 West 31st Street on Chicago Southside. Cameron, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. Still to come, laying down a little more dough to make your electric car go faster. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Owners of a Mercedes-Benz electric vehicle in North America can get a little more power and speed 
for a price. Let's learn about it now from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. John, thank you so much for joining us. So, so tell me about this. So, so we, an electric vehicle, and let's say, you know, I, w- I want a little more speed. I want a little more giddy up. And I don't may not even need to go to, to a dealer. I may be able to get it from where I am. Tell me how this is working. Yeah, it's an over-the-air update. You can spend more money, anywhere from $60 a month more to $90 a month more, to get more power out of your electric Mercedes. And we're seeing this happening all over the place, Andy. Automakers call it recurring revenue. They don't just want you to buy a car and walk away. They're trying to get you to give them more money every single month, and that's what this is about. So we're talking Mercedes-Benz here, but but I think it might be fair then to wonder if other automakers are seeing this and taking note. What Can this kind of be the start, and we're going to see more and more of this in your perspective? Well, the automakers are going to try to have more of this. They love this idea of subscription services or recurring revenue, whatever you want to call it. Because, again, they don't want you to just buy a car and disappear for three to five or however many years. They want to keep getting money from you. So, yeah, I mean, we're seeing Ford and General Motors toy around with charging customers on a monthly basis if they want to use hands-free cruise control, you know, what GM calls Super Cruise or Ford calls Blue Cruise. Uh, BMW tried to charge more for heated seats. They wanted you to pay a monthly fee to use the, the, the heaters in your seat. And the public backlash was so great they backed off at least in the united states and europe they backed off but i hear that they're trying it in other developing markets so yeah i mean the automaker is going to try to do this i don't know if the public's going to go along with it so john i'm curious too what else you're hearing you know you mentioned that 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 there are you know this is taking notice and and automakers are, are seeing this what, it's all just more of, of it seems like the, the automotive industry is is advancing at, the, at a rapid pace. Uh, we're now talking about these subscription issues. What 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 else could we see moving forward? What, what What's kind of brewing as far as what the auto industries may roll out next when it comes to, to innovations of, of these electric cars? Well, you know, along the lines of the, the subscription services, they're, they're going to test out everything and see what works. General Motors, for example, believes that it can get another $143 or so a month out of most of its customers with services that it's going to offer in the future. And what the auto industry loves about this stuff, let's go back to Mercedes for a minute. They're not adding any more equipment to your car. That equipment went in as the car went down the assembly line. They're just using an over-the-air update. They're unlocking software that will give you more power in your car or heat your seats in the case of BMW or let you drive hands-free in the case of Ford and General Motors. The, the hardware is already in there. They're just using software to unlock it. So the profit margins on these are much, much higher than anything else that the auto industry has done. And that's why they're so keenly focused on trying to get these subscription services going. Fascinating stuff. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and, of course, the host of Autoline.tv. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the Noon Business Hour. And a reminder that you can find past programs and even later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and on the Odyssey app. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. 
Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.